Gartner expects by 2025 at least 60% of enterprises will have explicit strategies and timelines for SASE adoption. Secure Access Serve Edge, the convergence of network and security, is here to stay. Every organization can benefit from the infinite scale and reach of this cloud-native solution. However, the evolution to this new framework may seem intimidating. Benefit from the nation's first and only fully cloud-native SASE solution from Windstream Enterprise, expertly designed and managed to defend against malicious web traffic and malware, protect cloud-based data, support remote users, enforce security policies dynamically, transition away from outdated, fragmented network security solutions seamlessly with a trusted partner. Integrated network and security, managed your way. SASE from Windstream Enterprise. Welcome to another episode of TBI Talks Tech. I'm Eric Hills, training manager with TBI, and along with me is Dave Polakowski, operations trainer here at TBI, and today we have once again a very special guest. Uh, we're going all TBI again on this one, Eric, so we're keeping it in-house. We have with us the director of solutions engineering here at TBI. So if Alan Iverson is the answer, this guy's the solution. <laughs> it's Joe Pfizer! <laughs> I don't know how, how I can do this. I know. I, I, I got to come hard with it. That was for, good. For the intro. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're all very special guests, but then there's there's always a little play. That was one of the better ones. Yeah, yeah good. Uh, uh, so, hey, Joe, thanks for joining us. Um, so, yeah, just um, can you tell us what's been going on, I guess, in your world with uh, TBI and whatnot? Uh, I know we've had some some tech boot camps. Uh, I believe we've been ba back down to Nashville again. Is we have. Correct? We have. Yeah, it's been exciting times lately. So, it's... Uh, we, we've been doing a, uh, a boot camp for each region of the country throughout this year, and they've been incredibly successful so far. So earlier this year, we did one for our East Coast partners. Uh, most recently was Nashville for Central, where we even had some East Coast partners and others flying in from around the country because of the success that we had the first time around. Um, they've been focused on uh, cybersecurity, especially with that being such a hot topic for us. And Pete Trin, our security SME out on the East Coast, doing a tremendous job supporting partners out that way. But then the success we're finding throughout the rest of the uh, rest of our team on the solution engineering side through to even on the voice side, we're security is a part of everything. So that's mm -hmm. been massive for us. Um, the boot camps have been awesome, uh, far different from any event we've put on before. So uh, thanks to... Uh, to Dave Landsberger kind of pulling the reins on that uh, on the uh, training side, but then our suppliers really bring in their best of breed to the table. We've we no longer do panels, which is a huge benefit to not not just me because I hate panels myself, sure. <laughs> but uh, partners as a whole. They were tired of hearing the same group of folks get up there, same sort of questions. So we're we're finally dr dr drilling in deeper and having a much more. Uh, customized conversation with our partners but then it's the tabletop exercises that we weave into this are huge they're they're so much fun you get so much more out of this from a partner side but also supplier and even on the tbi side we're still learning alongside with partners too so it's i don't know it's just a ton of fun that's some of the feedback i've gotten as well is that the workshop element is actually like a workshop you know and the interactivity a panel is good and well it's like watch these five folks banter you know, okay, that's fun once, like, but let's bring that to the audience and have them interact. And then I think the follow-ups, too, that Landsberger is doing with, like, the, the 90 days and talking about what they've gotten out of it conversationally and how they've moved opportunities forward. I did X, Y, and Z that Joe recommended, and here's the outcome. And I think it's uh, 
it's getting us results. Oh, it is. It is. Right out of uh, the East Boot Camp earlier in the year, we had success stories within the first couple of weeks of that event. So cybersecurity, it's a difficult one. So it's, it's not always going to be a quick hit like some of the other opportunities we get into, but the size of those opportunities, the, the margin in there for a partner, the, the relationship they're then forging with that, with that customer as well is second to none because it, you're in a different league when you're in the cybersecurity space, let alone even in the complex voice and IoT space as well. But it's, it's far beyond just circuit selling. So everybody can sell a circuit, but now getting into that security conversation, it's really daunting for, for many partners. Mm -hmm. And this is where coming to these boot camps, you're able to immerse yourself with others that are in a same, similar spot to you, but then a, a few folks that are, they might be a little bit behind you. They might be a little bit further ahead from you. So they've already gone through a few of the pitfalls and they, you can learn from other partners, but then to hear from the, the suppliers that are, in, uh, that are presenting to us and then doing these, uh, these tabletop exercises, it's, it's just awesome. The, uh, the side conversations just... I don't know. That's what gets me excited. Yeah. That's the fun of it. That's fun, the fun yeah. of being the engineer. Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be. <laughs> yeah, we'll be in San Diego in October next for the West Coast Partners, and I'm sure we'll make our way back to Central and East and Oh, yeah. We got a lot more. In 2023. So there's a lot, lot coming up. And I think what you're saying, like security today, it's not always the easiest play for partners in the channel, but they're learning, right? They are. We're, we're yeah. seeing partners grow their security practices. When I started in 2018, it was kind of like, you know, SD WAN was a new thing. And now we're talking more edge, right? SD-WAN is real. It's here to stay. Talk to us just about like the, the emergence, how SD-WAN established itself. And oh, absolutely. So SD-WAN originally is just the combination of existing technologies that we bolted together and we put a, a ribbon around it. Uh, so we, we defined it as this uh, uh, consolidation of uh, different technologies, including application visibility and control, which legacy-wise we saw on the security side. We saw that from a firewall. We didn't see that on a router side of things. So then taking some of the site-to-site, the, -site, the WAN technology that you're finding traditionally on the routing side, implementing some of the application visibility and control, that's where SD-WAN came into it. And the overarching theme to that was really, how do we make it easy? Easy to deploy, easy to manage. That was really the gist of it. And that's what things like VeloCloud and some of these early adopters really hit gold with and they made it easy now there's so many different flavors to that because even a VeloCloud, we've got what 30 40 different providers in our portfolio that offer VeloCloud at this standpoint so it's they all have their nuances to it and that's admittedly come to tbi engineering and selfish plug that but lean on us we're we're going to help you work through that because of those nuances they're all going to be a little different but this is moving further into that and partners that have worked with me and my team you've heard us talk about the importance of what the applications are in the customer environment, but also what the security posture is. We have to know what that firewall is, what that edge security appliance is, even if it's a cloud-based solution, because how are we going to interoperate with that? Uh, it could end up being a bottleneck. We need to make sure we're, we're cutting that off before it becomes a big problem. But now, uh, kind of jumping ahead into the, the SASE space, all we're doing is taking SD-WAN, taking that security conversation, putting it together and tying an even bigger ribbon around it. And that's our new Hallmark card, thanks to Gardner. So it's, uh, it's just allowing us to have a much deeper, more strategic conversation with our customers. It's not the same in the sense, so like partners will ask, well, is SD-WAN an MPLS replacement? Do I need to rip and replace the MPLS? And it's no, no, you know, SD-WAN can augment MPLS. I think more often we see, uh, we see partners wanting to kind of pick or choose one or the other, right? It's not, 
It's not the same where it's like SD-WAN or SASE. SD-WAN complements SASE. Yeah, yeah. And in the SASE world, SD-WAN is a part of that. And to your point of MPLS, I have to go with the, the old engineering saying of it depends because it depends on what your applications are. MPLS can still be a part of this. And I can leverage an MPLS, potentially downgrade your bandwidth to save you money there to then offset it with SD-WAN and layer in other uh, connectivity options, whether it's just a broadband connection. So we're just giving you a high bandwidth for low cost. Is that going to be okay by your end users and your applications? But that's where we have to have that deeper conversation. And that's what's become a little bit my bread and butter here at TBI. That's almost my comfort food at this point, because that conversation also allows us to have a much more holistic view of the customer base. When we're discussing SD-WAN, we're asking about the phone system, the security applications. And now once we get off the call and we then have our debrief with our partner, we can say, hey, I don't know if you picked up on this, but they just mentioned they've got an old Toshiba phone system. We should probably talk to them about moving to a hosted platform, um, something along those lines. So that's where I've, I've had my, my success in the SD-WAN space and just being able to pepper in a few questions to get the, the conversation going and sit back and listen. Let the customer drive that conversation. But it's up to us to help navigate that. Yeah, and I think um, kind of one thing you touched on is is that kind of fact-finding, right, is, is just a big part of that process. Um, and one thing that I know, you know, we talk about SD-WAN, Eric mentioned, you know, it was a fairly new thing in 2018. It was a big buzzword for a while. I know from an operations perspective, you know, like a big thing, the big part of it was that, you know, it's an organizing traffic by application as opposed to just type of service, right? Mm -hmm. So can you talk, um, I guess, a little bit about going forward some of the challenges, I guess, with SD-WAN? Yeah, within the uh, more of the traditional customer that is a particular hardware manufacturer fanboy, I'll say, and then uh, they might be clinging to the MPLS because of their voice platform or there's a particular application in their network that they need QoS for, that quality of service. That's typically the, the hardest sell to then educate them on why SD-WAN and why you should be looking to this. But then to your point with the, uh, being able to drive the conversation by application now, where I can prioritize all the way down to per application, it's not just application type. So it's no longer four buckets like in the MPLS days of here's all my, my live applications, here's my, my preferred applications, and here's the I don't care about them. Uh, SD-WAN, I can really get granular on that. But then, because of the, the dynamics of SD-WAN and the smarts behind it, for lack of a better term, if you end up getting too granular on how you set up those that configuration, you actually do a disservice to SD-WAN. It's better just to leave it alone. Identify a couple of the key components to it and then let the smarts of the, the solution take care of the rest. Because you're, realistically, you want to make sure Spotify, YouTube, uh, World Cup's coming up later this year, which I'm excited for. Absolutely. When that comes up, though, people are going to start streaming at work. So how do I break that video stream away from conferencing or video streaming like Zoom or another platform, let's say? So now I can't, in the traditional MPLS world, video would be in one bucket. Whereas now I can break it out to, okay, if they're going to ESPN.com, yeah, that's either blacklisted or I'm going to shut that down so it's bare minimum on the bandwidth. And we had that even going back to 2018, like you mentioned, Eric, in the beginning, we had customers where they're talking about March Madness, the World Cup, anything along those lines saying, how do I restrict this? How do I block it? What's a better way to go about it isn't necessarily just flat out block it, but minimize the bandwidth to give a bad experience. Because at the end of the day, everything we're trying to do is to improve customer experience to then drive behavior. So if we're driving behavior, let's 
make it a bad customer experience. So let's make it low bandwidth so it's buffering constantly. You're just going to get annoyed. And then let's go back to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Or switch over to LTE. Exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> so that's Joe Pfizer's guide to how to watch the World Cup at work for everyone at TV. <laughs> so what, what's pushing everyone toward secure access service edge then? You know, SD-WAN is smart. It's prioritizing traffic by application. You're getting automatic failover. So why, do we, why, why do we have to change again and move to SASE? It's the consolidation of the security and network platforms coming together. So this is where when I'm talking SD-WAN, it's, it's, we have to be discussing what the security posture is with a customer. So we have to know what that firewall looks like. How are you handling connectivity and security to Azure, AWS, GCP, the Google Cloud Platform? How do you handle remote users? Is it a VPN connection? Is there uh, an RDS or a VDI environment, the, the virtual desktop sort of side of things? How do we handle all this? How do you handle remote users where they've got a phone sitting on their desk at home, they're, they're fully remote? And because of that, SD-WAN doesn't blend well into that conversation without needing additional bolt-ons. Now, there's some caveats to that. You, you start looking at folks like Mesogy or even Cato where they, they have done a really good job of building this uh, holistic solution. But realistically, there's still holes throughout that. It's not a bad thing, but it's things that we need to be cognizant of, especially when we're talking to customers, because the SASE world is taking best of breed security, best of breed networking, building it together. And now when I look at some uh, solutions out there, even the SD-WAN platforms are saying now, hey, we're SASE. Well, they don't have identity access management. They don't have VPN. There's other holes in there. But because of it, that's where we need other suppliers or other tools to help fill those gaps. Um, Cato and Mesogy are doing a fantastic job. You've got others rising up through the ranks doing fantastic as well, where you could be looking at some other MSPs where they are bringing best of breed together, whether it's through Checkpoint and other suppliers to then build out their own version of SASE. Uh, but there's the benefit of the SASE platform is simplifying it to the end customer. How do I make it so it's not going to cause a bottleneck and it's just going to work together? But, uh, yeah. Hopefully that answers your question a little bit. It does. But then, uh, and one more thing before you jump in on the next question. Uh, you mentioned SASE, the Secure Access Service Edge. That's the SASE. But then there's the other version of SASE, the more recent flavor, the SSE, which is still SASE, but it's Secure Service Edge. We drop the A. So now there's more of the fun on the engineering side. Now we have to differentiate the two differences there. And realistically, SASE really only came about, and this is more of my personal view on it, but it, this is Gardner taking... SD-WAN, realizing that it's doing a disservice to other security platforms, whether you're Cisco, Fortinet, Checkpoint, whoever in the market space, even Zscaler for that matter, how do I make it more relevant to them? So let's redefine a combination of security and network terms, tie a ribbon around it, and here's our new Hallmark card that we're going to go and market for. Because no manufacturer came to the table saying SASE. It was generated by folks like Gardner bringing it to our attention. SD-WAN was the same way. So now all of a sudden we're bolting on additional services to make an even bigger platform known as SASE. But now we've tweaked it again because some manufacturers got a little bit out of shape that they couldn't hit all of those key components. They couldn't hit the access side of it. So how do we do that? Let's drop it. Let's just simplify it further. So, Well, partners like the easy button. Yeah. Well, in that case, though, that's all on the supplier side. That's the supplier and hardware manufacturer side of the, hey, we can't do that. You're leaving us out. We don't feel that's fair. Because then... Like we all know, part of this is a pay-to-play. Well, yeah, then it's not about ease. It's just about inclusion Unfortunately. on the supplier side and hurt feelings. So what, what should 
partners be looking out then for as far as like customer intent when it comes to SD-WAN or SESI and how they're going to necessarily message the benefit of either? The message around both of them is going to be very similar. So it's it's the ease of consolidation, ease of management, ease of uh, visibility into your network. Um, one of the major differences there, though, I, I don't know if I, as a partner, I would go in talking, saying SASE and SD-WAN. You want to be driving that business conversation and figuring out what's going to be right. How do I simplify your network? What are your pain points? How do we overcome that acquisition that's on the horizon? When you acquire that other company, how do you anticipate bringing in that side of the house into your network? That's where something like SD-WAN is fantastic. I lay it over the top. I don't care if that other business entity has MPLS or DIA or broadband. I'm going to put SD-WAN over the top. We're going to look like one network. To our end users, we're going to provide better resiliency. From the IT management side, I'm going to have better visibility and control of my applications. Now, all of a sudden, I'm one company. And I, I did that overnight, basically. Um, and it's within a few days, potentially a couple of weeks, depending on number of locations and how quickly you want to roll that out. But it's far quicker than an MPLS. And then on the SASE side, that's just, again, combining the security aspect to it as well. So that acquisition, now I'm going to lay over my security uh, posture over you as well. So we're all in the same boat. You've got the same endpoint security, the the same disaster recovery plan, the same just overall posture to it, because you've got to have a clear cut decision on what you're going to be doing in the cybersecurity space, especially today with everything going on. Um, amazingly, uh, going back earlier this year, obviously, with global events going on, uh, which won't get too much into the weeds on that, but that created a lot of stir in the cybersecurity space where it was like, there's going to be a lot of um, look at me over here while I'm attacking you from behind over there. We're actually finding, and especially leaning on some of our suppliers like Verizon with their, their cybersecurity report and other uh, cybersecurity providers in our portfolio, they're all agreeing that we're actually not seeing the uptick in attacks that we were expecting, which is a good thing. A little scary too, though, because it's like if we're not seeing it, where are they? <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah, kind of like a tsunami. All the water is getting pulled away bit. from the beach before it just comes. Or like when the kids get too quiet wave. in the other room, and you're like, "Why are the kids so quiet? Yeah. They're up to something." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you walk in, it's paint and stuff right. everywhere. It's like, what happened? Um, but yeah, that's we just have to be diligent. And uh, kind of touching on the SD WAN and like a partner going to a customer. The main thing to go in talking about, though, is zero trust. Um, now, depending on the vertical you're in and the providers, suppliers that you work with, realistically, you should have been hearing about zero trust for decades at this point. De uh, some of our suppliers are bringing it to, to light now, so it, it's a good thing to be discussing. But realistically, we should always be thinking zero trust, even when we're at home, when we take our work laptops home with us. Make sure you're on your own network for one. But at the same time, is your network secure? Is the kid next door able to jump on your network and hijack your, your TV or your printer, for example? You know you've got a weakness there. But then how do you as an organization, as a business, secure that remote user when they take that laptop home? And it's all about zero trust and being diligent around that. Um, there's certain frameworks we can follow, like NIST, for example. That's a great one to, to understand and follow those, those points of securing a network and an endpoint all the way through to an application. But at the end of the day, just keep zero trust in the back of your mind. And change the admin and default password on your router at home. Yes, 100%. I try. We all fail at this. I, even I do. But try to get into a regular basis of changing those passwords on a regular basis. 
leverage something like LastPass or there's others out there. I've been using that for yeah. finally, which I don't, I'm like, why haven't I been doing this for... I got to admit, I've had a tinfoil hat on around that because I don't, it's, I have one then, one password See, that's to access all of my passwords. Okay. I'm and like, Joe's oh God. saying this. So okay, you make me feel better because I had kind of the same thought well, of like... The main it... thing though is use a passphrase. Get away from a password. So I, whatever you want it to be. I work at TBI since whenever. That could be the passphrase. That is not my passphrase, by the way. I'm not, <laughs> great, I'm not great at changing sure my passwords, but I do have two-factor set up on like everything. And that's yeah. a great thing to do too. And that's actually an area where we've got into, even at these boot camps that we've been doing, talking with some of the partners on the side, they're running into the same things our customers see as well. Cyber insurance is massive right now. One of the checkboxes there is, do you have multi-factor authentication? Do you have single sign-on? You can check those boxes if you're leveraging Microsoft Office. A lot of customers don't know that. So now all of a sudden you check a couple of the boxes without not even realizing it and you didn't have to spend more money. So then there's uh, uh, mobile device management, Microsoft Intune built into 365. Now I will caveat it, it's based on the license that you've got. So there is that caveat, but if you've got it, use it. It's there and it's helping you on your insurance side of things. But at the same time, the two-factor, oh sorry, the multi-factor, if you're having the notification go into your cell phone, Cell phones can be spoofed now. That's really easy to do. Thanks a lot, Joe. No problem. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now you're making us feel unsafe. No, but it's it's the uh, it's the reality of it, right? Though I mean, that's kind of where and why security is such a big deal, right? It's because of things like this, is spoofing and the way that people can manipulate things is getting easier and you know more more plentiful. It sounds like so. Um, well, Joe, thanks for joining us. Um, this has been. Um, really insightful as far as uh, security and whatnot. So thank you for uh, providing some info on SD-WAN and SASE. So partners, folks out there, uh, start asking questions, start engaging your partners uh, if you're a BDM on some of this stuff. Um, and we will catch you next time on TBI Talks Tech. I got some passwords to go update.